Yeah. My guest this week is, of course, Mr. Chase Paget. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me, Miles. Thanks for coming out. He flew all the way in from Portland. Yep, just for this. Just to do this. Uh, and, may- and maybe get a roll on a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fingers rolling the dice. <laughs> the thousand-sided dice. That's right. It's pilot season, right? You pilot season, off, yeah. Off pilot season. Uh, and it, was, it was funny because I, I had you confused for someone else when, when you showed up. And I was like, I, you're not who I think you are. You're How, why else. would you confuse this I don't know. I just, I, 30-something I, white man in the improv world <laughs> for somebody else? Uh, well, I did. But now I know, because we talked outside, that I, I met you about six years ago in mm-hmm. Chicago, right? Yeah. Uh, Doing the summer intensive. Doing work. the IO summer intensive, yeah. But you didn't have me for that, but you had one uh, uh, a, a, a workshop I taught. Yeah, yeah. All my teachers then were, uh, let's see here, Jet Eveleth, Rachel Mason, Bill Arnett, Craig Euler, uh, and uh, I took you as one of like the day-long uh, electives. And I remember when I took your class in 2009, I walked away going, man, that guy knows what he is fucking talking about. And I don't know if I fully comprehended everything he had to say, but I, I feel like I did walk away from it a better improviser. I, I always like to like when I teach those is like I, I overload the information. Cause I'm just like, it's people who are only going to get me for you know, a day. Yeah. For a day. And I just like, well, here's a ton of information. Some of it'll stick right now, but some of it will probably pop up later and you'll be, mm-hmm. oh yeah that i remember that now I, I remember uh specifically the thing that resonated with me the most when i uh took that day was your approach to straight versus absurd and uh and just sort of the the ins and outs of it and it really helped me go like oh you're gonna be the crazy thing now so i just need to help you out and just not try to outshine you i just just be simple and supportive that's the best thing i can do once that's decided Yes, I'm a brilliant, brilliant teacher. So good, you guys, <laughs> you guys. And what's the you said your your girlfriend out in Portland? She, Her name is Stacy Halal, and she's the uh, founder and artistic director of the Curious Comedy Theater in Northeast Portland. What's it called again? Curious Comedy Theater. The you can check out the new theater. website. <laughs> it's so expensive. Uh, <laughs> CuriousComedy.org. All right, well that's great, and you're yeah. you're doing shows out of there. Yeah, when I'm in town, most of the time I'm uh, not most of the time, but a fair chunk of the time, uh, I'm actually on tour with a couple of different one man shows that I do. So when I'm home in Portland, then I am either on stage as an improviser or playing piano for shows if there happens to be a vacancy. All right, so uh, if you could uh, describe the uh, the one man shows for me. Yeah, so it's a, a I don't know why I said that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, see, it's an old timey show. Yeah, my description's like a gangster. <laughs> uh, my one man shows. I have two that I tour around. I've done more than that, but I have two that I actually do as a job. Uh, one is called Six Guitars, where I play six different characters, and each one plays a different genre of music through guitar: blues, jazz, rock, classical, folk, and country. Uh, it's two acts, about eighty-five minutes in total, and I do that uh, in different. I've done it for years in like fringe festivals, but I'm doing less fringe festivals now and doing more like performing arts centers. Uh, and I've got, I mean, dates booked into March of next year. That sounds like a, a great, great show. Uh, and and is, is that set? Is it scripted or is it? It's it's mostly scripted. Uh, I mean, just for my own sanity, I always take the liberty to just change shit or interact with the audience right. i mean i i'm not 
I'd like to keep the hit rate as high as possible so I don't go crazy with it. But I do uh, have moments where I, I will go like, I don't feel like saying that tonight. I'm going to say it like this tonight. Very natural, organic evolution because I've done that show nearly 300 times now. Right. But uh, there are audience interaction moments where I'm uh, talking as one of the uh, characters just hitting on a lady in the front row and just coming up with a hypothetical date that I would have with them. Uh, and then there's like an improv song that actually closes the first act. Um, but it was all developed through improv. Uh, my co-creator for both of those shows, his name is Jay Hopkins. He's out in Orlando, Florida, where I lived a long, long time. And uh, he would sit me down and ask me questions as each of those characters. I would improvise responses, and then he transcribed all those responses and sort of formed them into what was the first incarnation of the show in 2010. And then just through sheer repetition and doing it in theaters and performing arts centers and finding out like what they need and what they want in a show, I was able to sort of form it into what it is now. Now, all these... Uh, you said it's six different mm-hmm. styles. Yep. Uh, is each in, in each style? Or it's, it's not just music. You're you're singing songs. Oh yeah, like each character has a very different voice. Right. And they range in age and even ethnicity. You know, which is scary sometimes. Believe I mean, right. as you can imagine. But like, what are some of the vocal styles? I mean, if you could characterize it as like a singer type. Oh okay. Uh, for the rock guy, it's. Like mainly what I think like I totally sounded like when I was in high school, just like kind of talking fast and being a little bit higher pitch, but still sort of forward and bright in its nasal cavity. Uh, Whereas there's a blues player that is 87 years old. Uh, He uh, grew up in Chicago, played with folks like uh, uh, Muddy, Buddy, John Lee Hooker. Uh, then I have, um, there is a, a, a classical guitar player that is uh, more like this, you know, and he is patterned after the vocal recognition of the classical guitar player I had in, uh, a, a teacher I had in the college, you know, because he learned English as a third language and he always would confuse his metaphors, you know, like he would say, uh, what, what is the thing it, you're playing? It, is, it needs to have a, the, the top fall off and the bottom, it has roots. What is this thing? It has a trunk. It is a, a Buick. Uh, he would he would just like describe things weirdly, and I just found him fascinating. All right, now I don't want to have you do do all your characters. Uh, you'll find this show if you want the rest of that candy. What, what, what I'm curious about is the uh, like when you're singing, yeah, in these styles, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, that can be quite a range. Yeah, it's uh, kind of tricky. I'll be honest with you though, like having <coughs> having vocal dexterity was always something that was kind of in the back pocket. Like when I when I sing as the blues character, uh, I sing Crossroad Blues, right? And that I went down to the crossroads trying to flag it right. Oh, yeah. I went down to the crossroads trying to flag it right. Where, so that's like the, thanks. Thank you. Um, Very nice. And then the rock character is all just forward nasal singing. I'm talking about miles, talking about miles. This is about me. Yep. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Picking up what I'm putting down, buddy. That song was about me. Yeah. uh, Uh. (laughs) I don't know if it's uh, that kind of... uh, 
Uh, you sound like you're you're a tenor, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely more uh, on the higher range. I always I always hate the hell out of tenors just, be, <laughs> just because I, I I always wanted to be one. It's I'm, not that great. Well, when, when, when I grew up, all, all, all the people I loved listening to were you know were tenors. So you try and sing them, and halfway through the song, you got ah. I'll, I'll play the beginning of the song because halfway in they start doing shit that I can't do at all. Well, there's a whole bunch of shit I'm guarantee I guarantee you can do vocally I cannot do because like at a certain point we'll match and then as we keep going lower you'll sound like a million bucks and I and I will sound like I had a cigarette for the first time. Right, but I didn't grow up listening to like, I, I I didn't grow up listening to guys with, with low voices. So yeah, all right, fair, fair. That that wasn't what I, I wanted to sing. Uh, I grew up listening to Billy Joel. And none wrong with uh, that. Who's, who's a fucking tenor? <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't sing most of what he sings. Uh, so, all right. So what's the other show you're doing? You say you have two of these shows? Yeah. That's Six Guitars. Nashville Hurricane is where four characters tell their side of the same story. And it sort of bounces in between the characters and between their different chronologies of the story. But it all wraps up in the end. There's only four songs in it. They're all inspired by a guitar player who's my favorite acoustic guitar player of all time named Tommy Emmanuel. And I, I found that I get better as a performer if I apply to a festival for, with a show I don't have yet. And I, then I describe what the show is going to be. And then I have to go fucking become that thing. <laughs> and that's what I did with Nashville Hurricane. And I had to just become a better guitar player to even remotely sound like how just incredible that guy that's- is. That's pretty fucking ballsy. I'm it's like, dumb. I mean, <laughs> synonyms. It's potentially disastrous, but if you pull it off, it's yeah. like it's like yeah, I'm fucking well, it, king. It was it was a bit disastrous for six guitars. It was sort of like well received from the beginning. Nashville Hurricane. I was like, I'm gonna do this thing, and I did the whole process all over again. It was my third solo show, and I was like, this is gonna be the best thing ever. And like an idiot, I was telling all of my friends at the time, this is gonna be better than six guitars. And then it was terrible. It was like the first, <laughs> and let me tell you, like if you do a bad one person show, you will be aware of it. Cause it is <laughs> you up there and they are telling you exactly how they think about it with all of their various shades of quiet. <laughs> oh, that, that, that would suck. Um, but then I, I, t- I was like, ugh, I, it was that was a it was a tough like blow. And then I just sort of went, I'm not gonna let that show fucking beat me. And then the next year, I applied to a different fringe festival, same title, rewrote the entire show except for one line, premiered it, and then that became what it is now. And you're relying again heavily on music. Uh, there's only four songs in the show. I mean, it's about music, but it's actually about the story of a musician's life who was reluctant to even be a force on stage. All right. I always, uh, I have such a great respect for musicianship, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I am not a musician. Uh, I know enough about, I know enough about music to have a great respect for people who are musicians. I, I'm like that with dance. Like I can pick up choreography. Okay. And I'm, but I, I do it enough to recognize that, like, so you think you can dance is the greatest reality show in the history of television. It's funny because I have a similar thing with it because I, I, I took some dance in high school, yeah. so I, I learned enough to have a respect for people who yeah. could actually dance. But to me, that that doesn't run as deep for me as as musicians. Sure, okay. Just because I think just the with dance, it was so physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a 
a different craft, but with music, just the whole, you know, the the theory of it, and just the I love music theory. Yeah, how that complex unchained, it gets. That released me. I so many people get in their heads about the theory of music, and it really helped me out because it, in some ways, like with improv theory, music theory at first seems very convoluted, and why would you call it that, and why are you thinking it like that? But once it gets a little bit in your bones, I found for me it unleashed me it, it allowed me to hear music and be able to hear it as, as like a, something concrete it, it it didn't lose its majesty it didn't lose the sort of ethereal magic to it but instead it gave me greater access to that sort of mysterious feeling and and because i taught myself guitar initially by ear through the music theory i got in high school i was the benefit of a pretty good public education music program that uh, like now I can listen to most things and just kind of get it. I always, I always, I knew a guy in high school and it was uh, Alex Warman, mm -hmm. who's a very accomplished uh, composer now. Uh, he worked on the Lion King and he, he did, he scored March of the Penguins. Damn. All right. Uh, That's a good score. Y'all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I remember in high school, I'd go over to his house just, just small shit would blow me away. Like I could, he said, you know, play anything you want on the piano, like a chord. And with, with all my fingers, hit as many notes as you can. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just, you know, I'd first I'd play chords and then I just hit random fucking notes mm -hmm. and he was, I'd hit him and he, he just name them. See, that's, name that's a level, all the notes I that's fucking hit. Awesome. That's a level of perfect pitch. I don't <laughs> have, but I've got pretty strong relative pitch. Like I could tell you, in a key, what the numbers are that relate to the root of that key pretty well. Right. Like I could go one, one, two, three, four, five, flat six, flat seven, one. Uh, and right. I can kind of recognize that in songs that I hear. Isn't that what's called relative pitch? Yeah, it's relative pitch. Where uh -huh. I don't know what the actual frequencies or the notes I just sang are, but I know how they numerically relate to each other. I mean, again, that is incredibly, that's impressive it, as well. Well, here's hell. the thing though, like, much like improv, a lot of people <clears throat> look at a skill that they currently cannot do and just perceive it to be magic, and it's not magic. Yeah, I spent... That's, magic. <laughs> that's, it's, that's a magic trick you just did. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Miles. Like, it, it, to me, it's, it's just a, a learned skill that I once could not do. Like, I, my first instrument was trumpet, and I remember going into a trumpet recital, I don't know, I'm like fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, when life is great. And, uh, and then I go to like tune my trumpet before the recital. I'm already a nervous wreck about it. And my teacher asks, Chase, do you know if you're flat or sharp? And I said, I, coin flip, I just 50, 50. And I totally was wrong. And I didn't, they didn't say they were, I, you're wrong. You're sharp or whatever. They just looked at me with like, oh, he'll never get it. He'll just never get it. And they weren't trying to be mean. But right. they both like looked at each other and registered how wrong I was. <laughs> and, and I really felt like I'm never going to be able to do this. But then I picked up <coughs> guitar in high school and out of sheer curiosity and kind of tenacity, like I just kind of went, fuck that. I'm going to learn how to play shit by ear. And I sat down. I taught myself Tears in Heaven by ear. That was the first song I really ever learned. Right. And, uh, and I did that for like Eric Clapton solos and, and just picking up things as much as possible here and there. And I, and then by the time I got to ear training class in college, 
I was nervous about it because of the previous experience. And I walked out of that first class like, I'm the fucking king of listening. This feels amazing. (laughs) I beat this thing. And I was totally that asshole kid that was just right every time. And it was not a magic trick. It was because I started bad and then just spent a shitload of time trying to get better at it. Right. I, I, I dabbled. Yeah. I dabbled enough to have, to have the, the respect they do for me. I took a course. I went to DePaul briefly. Uh, and I took a course from, what's his name? Alan Swain. Okay. Who was a jazz pianist. Okay. In Chicago. It's a great teacher. And I was like, is that class? I think I got, I got a C in it or whatever. But it was, just, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it was the theories where you, you write out, Here's you know, the whole arc of a, a song. I forget now. Mm-hmm. But it just, I was like, wow, so, this is... Some of that shit that was like, Ugh, what are you doing? You're just justifying a college degree that you got, teacher. Like, Shankarian analysis. Google that and then enjoy your stroke. It, it's <laughs> so stupid. I think so. But like the first year of theory, we were learning like, here's a leaning tone. Here's a secondary dominant. Like, you end up hearing that kind of stuff in any kind of music to this day all of the time. And the fact that I can recognize it means I can play it back faster. I think I would like to go back just to learn enough. Cause I, I, I see those videos where it's like, like uh, so many pop songs are the same four chords. Yeah. Oh right? yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. One, five, minor six, and four. It's like it's like it's like all right. And, and if you do, if, if, when I see people demonstrate it in videos, because it happens all the fucking time, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, wow. I wish I could just hear just that. Yeah. Just just so I could just get. Suddenly, smug as all fuck when I when, when I'm listening to some song and I'm like, oh, one five, one, five, five yeah. six, four, whatever it is. Uh, yes, I see what you're doing. Yes, uh, it is. I, all I can't hear it. I'm just like, it's all it's all magic to me. Yeah, just, uh, just flight time. That's all it is. What about rhythm? Are you, I, I mean, I make like a with uh, beats I, and meters and shit. I actually uh, got pretty far into the audition process of Blue Man Group one time. Right. Where they like flew me to New York and I got to like <coughs> be bald and blue and drum a little bit with them. And uh, the only <laughs> drumming they ever had us do in the entire process was just, all right, I'm going to drum a thing and then you drum it back to me. And I was like, okay. And they did, I don't know, like four or five rhythms. And I was like, is this it? This, is, this isn't so bad. Yeah, like I can pick up rhythm pretty well. And I... Uh, particularly the rhythm challenge I find interesting today is when I recently have like been re-listening to Reggie Watts albums and trying to, with my own looper, like recreate what he did as he's doing it. Uh, For the record, I have no idea what you're talking Reggie about. Reggie Watts? Oh, he's, he's currently the band leader for uh, the, the Late Late Show on CBS. Oh, okay. Uh, for James Corden. But before that, he was... Uh, this great fusion of of improv solo work and musicianship where he would just sort of like non sequitur stream of consciousness stream through different voices, which was always engaging and weird. And I loved it. I've, there was a time where I saw him like, I don't know, two or three times within a six month or six week period. And he did not repeat a single thing. So it truly was improvised. Right. And it was awesome. It reminds me of, again, the guy Alex Foreman. Back in high school, mm-hmm. I go to his house, and he had a rhythm machine. And he basically, he's like, pick like a, you know, four, four, three, three, four, whatever. He had all kinds of different, basically all of them mm-hmm. listed. You press a button, and it, tell, it basically starts tapping that rhythm. And basically, he could say, you know, pick one. And he'd, he'd start one on one hand, 
And he could pick any combination of them, and he would put one on each hand and one on each foot. No matter what one, and, and he could change them. He'd give them, change the foot one to, you know, five, seven or six, nine or whatever, whatever the hell they were. Mm-hmm. And he could, you know, it's one of those things where you, give, you, you start, you know, you're tapping on your leg and you do, you know, like, I'm, I'm fucking up doing, <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking up doing four, four and, and, and one beat onto that. Like, right? Like, that, like mm-hmm. that, that's easy. But he, he could do each other here's, different limb. Here's, here's the thing I find funny about your friend Alex here. <clears throat> his idea of friendship was <laughs> people coming to his house and being an audience to his brilliance. No, it was funny. Hey, just hey, you want you want to see how fucking rad I am? <laughs> no, that he he, he he was a great guy. <laughs> I mean, but that that that, that was just, to me. I wanted to see that shit. It was, sure, it was, it was like a magic show. It was like, how the hell do you do that? But here's the thing, though, that I find interesting about people who kind of walk in with that level of aptitude is that they do find inaptitude or ineptitude uh, in in other things that other people take for granted. Like, like just being able to sit down and connect with another person genuinely and, and be present and listen to them and empathize if they're having a good or bad day either way, that m- very well might be a, a trouble that he has, you know? Um, no, he's great at that. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I was over at his house once. Yeah. <laughs> and he just listened to my He connected to me so hard. <laughs> and he gave me this, like, parable of, of just, like, flowers. It's, a, it's how I live my life now. Uh, no, but again, there's that sort of thing, guys. I've I've always been impressed and loved mm-hmm. that that kind of stuff. Um, oh, I was thinking something else. Oh, nope, forgot it. I was thinking something else, and then I forgot it. I, I apologize. Uh, along the lines of shit that impressed me. Oh, because it reminded me because Alex he, he played the piano for fun, right? Basically, yeah. Basically, amazingly, but he played it basically back then for fun, uh, and by ear mm-hmm. because his ear was what it was. His, horn, his, his first instrument was the French horn. Uh, of course, you know. It's, it's such a hard it's, instrument. It's, it's, and he was amazing at it. He Great. Was, he was basically. Good a, for him. He was a prodigy. <laughs> uh, but the, the story that reminds me of was actually as far as, like again, something is, when, uh, when I was 21, I broke both my legs, right? I was hit by a car, broke both my legs. Jesus. It's not important. The, so some guy, uh, the, 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 a, a surgeon by the name of Boone Brackett. Uh, Wait, what was his name? Boone Brackett. Greatest doctor's was, name it, I've ever heard yeah. in my life. Uh, he was a, a, a good old boy from Arkansas, a groundbreaking orthopedic surgeon back in Oak Park. <laughs> uh, they, they, I mean, they were literally, they were going to chop my legs off, and he came in and said, let me try something. Uh, and he put you back together with he, a washboard. He, 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 he got in there, and he tried something, and it, <laughs> and, and, and it fucking works. And I, I have legs. Uh, but he took a liking to me, uh, and at one point, he, I'd never been to an opera. He said, I'm going to take you to an opera, because he, he loved going to the opera and he loved classical music. Uh, I'm like, all right, I'll go to the opera. And yeah. I have casts up to my, two casts up to my nuts. Uh, but you know, we get in this car and he takes me down to the opera and we meet up with his buddy who was, uh, I think his name was Wayne Mesmer, okay. uh, who was, happened to be the first horn of the CSO. You know, wow. French horn. That's what, that's what made me okay. remember that. Uh, and we go down and we're sitting in the front row. Because Boone Brackett and Wayne Mesmer was in the front row, <laughs> and what I remember, which which I just, I, it was my favorite moment of the night. Actually, we saw Falstaff, but my favorite moment of the night was when we sat down in the front row. We sat over the horn section, uh, and at this point, I knew who I'd been introduced. I knew who mm-hmm. Mr. Mesmer was, and you could see every horn in the section just l- l- look up at him and go, "Oh shit!" 
It's like, you know, game better be on tonight because the fucking first horn of the CSO is sitting right above us. Uh, I, I thought that was like that sort of respect among or fear among it's musicians fear. was like yeah. kind of cool. The level of precision you have to have to be in a classical world is harder now than I think it's ever been in history. Because like every generation that comes along redefines what virtuosity is. And then every generation after them has to strive to meet that. We're like in, you know, 1810, like if you just could breathe into a mouthpiece, like you could probably get a job. And, but then, you know, List and Paganini came along and it's like, oh, well I have to do that now. Great. I don't, I have enormous respect for classical musicians. Uh, and to like get a job in a symphony anywhere is so hard. And I look at their dedication and I just think to myself, if I took half of the time they put into their thing, right. into all of the 12 things I do in my life, I would be unstoppable. And then I get sidetracked by Facebook and video games right. and beer. That's funny. That, that, that reminds me of a, a guy who did me a favor as far as he was, he was smart. He was like a pool player. I used to hang out in a pool pool hall, basically, <laughs> instead of going instead of going to high school. I believe that. Uh, <laughs> and I'd hang out in this pool hall, and I I got pretty good. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there were the guys in the hall who were good. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I got good enough where I could beat the guys coming in off the street, mm-hmm. but I knew who the best players in the hall were, and I'm, I wasn't going to go go near that. But I was getting better. Uh, I was playing this one guy named Lanny. Uh, and Lanny was probably the best shooter in the hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a re- really good pool player. And I asked him one time, uh, you know, I'm 17 at the time. I was like, hey, Lanny, what do I got to do you know, to be as good as you at pool? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, Miles, uh, go to college, graduate, go to medical school, become a doctor. You'll become a doctor before you're as good at me at pool. He's probably right. And what he was talking about was the amount of hours you mm-hmm. got to put in yeah. to being that good at that and what a fucking waste <laughs> it probably would be. As it happened, he was also a doctor. <laughs> but it's thought, true, man. It's You just got to... It's not, it's not magic. You just got to keep doing it. And you have to keep doing it past the point where... Other people go, oh, I think I got it. And then they stop. You just have to keep getting better. It's funny you mentioned pool. My dad, he grew up in rural South Carolina. And uh, he was kind of a latchkey kid. And he grew up in just an ocean of chaos. And the one thing that was like regular for him after school, and sometimes during, like you said, was a pool hall that was in his town. And he ended up getting pretty good until his grandmother uh, was like, you're not going to hang out in no pool hall. I ain't going to have no kid of mine, which is totally how she sounded. Uh, so he was banned from the pool hall at her request. And the only other thing that was available for him to do was uh, a golf course, like a driving range. And he ended up becoming a pro golfer because of that. <laughs> and, and, he, and he totally had an instance where like he was facing people who were just way better than him. And, and I think the thing that makes the difference between somebody who goes, well, I guess I'm done now, and uh, no, I'm going to keep doing this, is some part of you that just goes, I'm not going to let you fucking beat me. Right. Like I did with my show. Like It was bad at first, and then I rewrote all of it, and now it's pretty good. My dad, <clears throat> he went to, in high school, 
He went to like the state championship for high school golf in South Carolina, which is not a golf mecca, but still it's the state championship. There's going to be some serious players there. And he was such like a backwoods Appalachian country kid. When they asked what his handicap was, he genuinely thought it meant a handicap like on his body. He just didn't know. So he said, I don't have a handicap. So he got right. He got placed with the best junior golfers in high school in the state of South Carolina. And he had his Sears and Roebuck clubs. He didn't even have a full set. And he was not nearly as good as them. And they just beat the shit out of him. And he told me that he, he went home and he cried and he cried. And, and I can't remember if it was him or his grandmother or a combination of the two coming together going, you're not going to let those fucking kids beat you. And then he just put in the time, put in the hours, and just trounced all of them the following year and got a full-ride scholarship to Wake Forest. And that was his only way he could ever pay for college. And that's how he did it, was just by going, I'm not going to let you fucking beat me. But that's great. I, I mean, it's funny because I think, I think I've had, like, I think I, I think I had that experience with improv. Yeah. As far as, it wasn't, it wasn't someone else. It was just the thing itself. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that I, I was terrible at it. But I recognized that if I kept doing it, I would get better. Mm-hmm. And all I had to be was, you know, what uh, just relentless. I, yeah. I, I knew that I would just, I remember the moment I decided I'll never stop doing this and I will just slowly get better and better and better. Uh, what was that moment? I was like, I've told that story. It was like, is I asked Susan Messing a question back in Chicago. I forget what I asked her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she said, well, the first thing you have to do is decide you belong. Hmm. And she, I've, and she, she's kept talking, but I was no longer listening to her just because, well, it was because when she said that it struck me to my core, what it meant for me mm-hmm. was that all oh, means I belong trying. I belong on the stage yeah. trying. Oh, that's I, a powerful, I get, to, I get to try just like anybody else. And so mistakes just become lessons. Yeah. And it's like, all I have to do is just keep doing it and you can't help but get better. It's just a matter of time. When, when you say that, like the power of believing that you belong for me, I can remember a time when that was a powerful moment. Two years ago, uh, no, three years ago, 2013, I wanted to do like something at IO and they were doing the first annual like scripted comedy festival. So I entered in as a storyteller and I told the story of how I got my home was invaded twice in a weekend. And uh, yeah, it was real bad because I was living in the ghetto trying to grow weed. Don't do it. And uh, I've lived some life, guys. And, <laughs> and then uh, I, won, I told that story and I won the competition and my prize was a main stage slot for like one night. So I was like, all right, I have this buddy of mine that's a pretty good freestyle rapper. He's going to be in town. Let's do a hip hop Armando where he just freestyles and then we do an Armando basically. And I asked, uh, the, I didn't know many improvisers in town here. And I asked my old Chicago teacher, Jet Eveleth, like, hey, you want to do this? And she was in town. And she was like, yeah, sure. I'll ask uh, if, uh, if, if Thomas wants to do it. So Thomas Middleditch ended up jumping in. And I was in the show with Jet Eveleth and Thomas Middleditch and some other, like, just incredible talent. And I was like, I am on stage next to Thomas fucking Middleditch right now. And it was paralyzing me. I was playing very weak and slow. And, uh, and then I remember like seeing an instance where I was going to make a choice. 
I didn't make the choice. I actively shut myself down. And then Thomas made that same choice four seconds after I thought of it. Right. And in that moment, I went, shut the fuck up. I, you belong here. It's okay. And like, I was fine for the rest of the show. And, uh, and it was a powerful thing. Like not thinking you belong is the quickest way to sabotage it and prove that you're right. I had an interesting, uh, probably told the story before, but I remember, I remember having dreams about improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, I remember specifically one dream, a, a bunch of players that were of the time, uh, were doing a Herald, uh, and I was in it and it was on my parents' porch. Right, okay. it's a dream. So we're doing a herald on my parents' porch, and Noah Gregoropoulos in my dream is just killing it. <laughs> he's he's just he's coming up with these lines that are just hysterical, and he's just killing it. And I I remember literally waking up thinking, why can't I come up with lines like that? In your own dream. In my own dream. So fascinating. And you know, it occurred to me later. I was like, wait a minute, that that was my fucking dream. I <laughs> I was coming up with that, but there, there's there's that thing that you know you don't realize that you, friend. Again, going back to for me, you belong. You belong. And once you realize you belong, you you get to try to, uh, that that changes everything. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're instantly as good as everybody, and it doesn't mean you have the same aptitude as people who are as new to it as you are. But I think I think one of the most powerful things about doing anything that is creative and artistic, is that it it will give you every life lesson you need to learn to become the person you are supposed to be. And that's actually like the last monologue of Six Guitars. My blues character says, um, you can't hope to get rich, you can't hope to get famous. The best thing you can hope for is to get good. But if you do, and you do it for the right reasons, uh, uh, you learn more than scales and chords. You learn how to live a good life. And no kind of music is better at giving you that than any other kind of music. Same reason why no one person is better than any other one person. Uh, we all are saying the same things, coming from the same place, trying to get back to it. In the meantime, all I need to know is I need to surround myself with good times, good people, and good music, because that's all you really need. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful place to open up the floor for any questions you might have. Yeah. Just, just a couple, because we're going to have, I want to, yeah, right there. Yeah. Uh, I studied uh, music in college too. Rockin'? Shankarian analysis. Shankarian analysis. Sucks, sucks ass, man. Oh, that's dumb. Why? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I guess my question is, uh, is uh, how do you, how do you prevent yourself? Because because you're you're passionately interested in in music as well as improv. Yeah. Uh, how do you prevent yourself from kind of spreading yourself too thin? Or do you find that you, you kind of do? I do. Actually, I, honestly, I feel like if I had taken the same amount of time I put into one and put it all into the other, I would probably be much better at that one thing. However, I have made it uh, a fine living. Uh, I'm not, not rich, but I'm totally supporting myself as an independent performer, traveling and going to performing arts centers um, because I was diverse and I found a way to put them in the same boat. Like the fact that I, like most of these performing arts centers, for instance, they will typically book music acts, even music acts that aren't like famous or whatever. But the fact that I can do music and bring comedy and characters that would not have, I would not have without improv makes me unique and valuable. 
I think if you're going to diversify, you, one, you do need to have a, a requisite amount of commitment to all the things you're doing. And it does, and it might mean like you pare it down, you know, but uh, if you can find a way to combine those interests into a single entity, then it will, both of them will actually multiply their value. Yeah. Anything else back there? Uh, Miles, I understand Chase was a student of yours a while back. Uh, how, how long ago was that? And do you remember your first impressions of him? Uh, him or me? Uh, either. Oh, okay. Chase, I, 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 I confused Chase with someone else. <laughs> so uh, I crushed it. We covered that at the top. He, I, I taught Chase briefly in, the, in, in Chicago about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought he was someone else when I saw his name. So I, 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 was, I, I met him kind of again for the first time tonight. Uh, thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm perfectly frank, uh, the tenacity I have comes from a combination of both of my parents being professional golfers. So they understood what it meant to chase something that was totally atypical and kind of insane, but were able to make it work for them. Like my dad played, he was the first uh, athletic director at Hilton Head in Harbortown. And my mom played like five opens before I came along. And uh, so they just knew like, just choose a thing and try really hard and you'll be okay. And I think the other thing that complements my whatever tenacity I may have is uh, I grew up in a house full of chaos. My dad uh, was a man of wild extremes. He was never violent towards me or my mom or whatever, but he, he battled addictions of many kinds. Uh, he died when I was 19. And there was a part of me that recognized that I and this is a thing I still fight to this day. I have such, because of that, a strong self sense of self-preservation that I recognize that I can't ever rely or allow myself to rely. I can take advantage of. I can totally accept the opportunities and gifts that other people give me in my life, but I have to know that I can do it on my own. I have to. So that means when I started doing these shows... I quit working for Disney as a full-time actor, which, side note, is a way better job than you might think it is. Uh, It's an equity contract. And I just went, I'm going to figure this out. And I ended up teaching myself Photoshop and Premiere and WordPress. I taught myself what a media package looks like so I can send that. So that way, like, not only is my show good, but everything that has my show attached to it looks as good as I can possibly make it either with my own effort or someone else's effort that I pay. And even then I'm like, I'm just going to learn how to do it better than this person (laughs) because I refuse to be sabotaged by anyone else's lack of effort. This guy is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. That's great. Let's do a set. Yeah. Me and Chase, you're going to do about 20, 25 minutes of long-form improvisation for you, and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Accuracy. What was that? Accuracy. Accuracy. Great.
Are you just going to judge me all day again? Yes. <laughs> I can't perform under this pressure, Father. You think this is pressure? Yes, of course it is. Oh, now you're going to give me a speech. Yes! There's no, no room for shooting now. Because this is too much pressure. What happens when a grizzly bear is bearing down on you? You, you try your best and you shoot for his eye. You killed the beast with a single shot. Oh, sure, you hit the center of the target. <laughs> but that's the goal, Father! Oh, yes, it's a bull's eye. But it's not a bear's eye. No, of course it's not a bear's eye. We don't, I'm not going to put a bear out there. I'm not a lunatic. You will rush! Oh, sure, you split the first time. <laughs> Come on, Father! I did the miracle just now! Why can't you... Why can't you love me for the archer I am? You think that's a miracle? Give me your bow. It's been a while. Uh, let's see. Don't fuck up, Dad. Everybody be quiet. I can... All right. Oops. Tight one. It's hard to pull it back. Are you giving me excuses? Archer mind tricks aren't going to work. You can't even move that bow. All right. I have to tell you, I have to be honest with you. I've never done that. <laughs> I've never used a bow and arrow. I think you should know that. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, that felt good to say. <laughs> you have a wall full of metals. Are all those lie metals? No, I've purchased every one of those medals. Fuck you! Come on! You've been training me seven hours a day for the last decade! And you just split an arrow with another arrow! You might be the greatest archer alive. But You're welcome. You made yourself out to be a master. You made yourself out to be something that was better than I could ever be. Well, now, now you're way better than me. <laughs> you're much, much better than me at this. Will you kill me for that? You kill me for lying to you your entire life? A lie that made you great? A lie that makes one great is no healthy truth. <laughs> see, no, see, that would have been better if you let me be the poet I wanted to be. I didn't raise you to be a poet. Clearly. The last thing you said didn't make any sense. <laughs> You're a great archer. You're welcome. I don't, I'm not going to train you anymore. I don't think I don't know anything really. I just kept making you do it until you got better. It was all it was all you all along. You wouldn't let me have friends. So your father told you. Father, I I never wanted to be an archer. I figured the only reason why I had to was because Dad was an archer. I don't even know who I am anymore. Your father's not an archer, but don't hate him. He's a wonderful poet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have scores.
his unpublished works. That's all I wanted to be. Well, he didn't want that for you. Why not? Why can't he share his love of pentameter? Because he always wanted to be an archer. He has a natural gift for poetry. He taught me how to write poetry in an evening. You're a poetry too? Well, I'm not your father, but I'm, uh, I'm fairly skilled. No. But you are an archer, thanks to your father and his magnificent life. I guess, I guess having a skill is better than none. I strain to see how archery is more marketable in today's day and age than poetry, though. <laughs> it, well, it's not, really. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a trade that's losing its, its, its worth. But you are good at it. Yeah, that's, that's like being the best carriage maker. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Don't bring up Reynolds. I will bring up Reynolds. He is a fantastic carriage maker. Yes, he was the firstborn, and now he is destitute because you trained him into something that was irrelevant. I always wanted to be a carriage maker. <laughs> so I trained Reynolds to be a carriage maker. And now he's the best. Make me a promise. Promise me Samantha will become an engineer. Your, your, your little sister? Yes. Why would I want her to be an engineer? Or anything that's applicable. Because an engineer will get a job. A software engineer? They're so in use right now. You, are, your father and I will discuss what other dreams we might have had that <laughs> And that is what Samantha will become. Fine. Then I will leave this house. You leave it? I... You're, you're the greatest archer in the world. Samantha, listen to me. Samantha, no. No, no, don't touch your beautiful hair. Listen to me. I'm leaving. And I'm never going to arch again. But why are you so good at it? It wasn't my choice. I'm going to find my own way in the world. And I want you to come with me, Samantha. Come with you? Mom and Dad are just going to train you into something that doesn't matter. You'll raise ferrets or, or grow orchids for rich people. Okay, I'll come with you. I left Mom and Dad a note. Everything's going to be fine. God damn it! He's, he's taken Samantha with him! Everything's going to be fine. My only regret Don't is I wish... Don't you worry. I will hunt him down. If he had only taught me how to drive, this would have been a little bit smoother. Uh, carry these things. <laughs> I'm going to look after you. It's going to be okay, Samantha. <laughs> I'm hungry. Can we can we stop at a Burger King? No. There he is. Ah. Oh, there's a gas pedal. Son! We have not gone far at all. Son! <laughs> Samantha, we're going to have to go. Part of the country. You can't do shit, you asshole! Put that bow down! Samantha. Father's chasing us. He's trying to snatch you back into a world of irrelevance. I'm torn. 
No. The father who would save me and the, the brother who would rescue me from him. What do you wish to do? I don't know. I see what I must do. <laughs> I have dishonored my family. What? No! This is really hard to shoot yourself in the moving. face with an arrow. This car is moving and you shoot your face in the air and you crash! Fine, be it, be it so. Park. And once my brother shot himself in the face with the arrow, I took the wheel. And that is how I learned how to drive. <laughs> okay, check yes. please. <laughs> Just, uh, wow, you come from a colorful background. Well, thank you. Thank Man, you. I, I have to be honest. Yes. On your Tinder pic, when you were just wearing a single Amish frock, I mm -hmm. thought that was a joke. <laughs> no, no, that, that is my clothing. Great. All right. Okay. Uh, I, I have to say it. I'm, I'm delightfully surprised. I, I've never encountered a woman with such uh, ho homeliness. <laughs> I don't know what words mean. That sounded somewhat good. Home is a good word. I look like a home. <laughs> home of sorts. I'm sorry, this is going terribly. Ugh. You're the only person that's matched me on Tinder in six months. Well, you're my first Tinder match as well. Oh. I guess that's okay. Oh, okay. Shish kebab is here. Ooh, food. <laughs> You've seen food before. Come on, come on. Of course I've seen food before. I wouldn't be alive if I'd never <laughs> seen food before. Oh, silly me. Silly me. It's just that when you ordered a literal milk and honey, I, I didn't know if this was a new experience for you. Milk and honey is, is good, good nutrients. I, I've lived many a year on milk and honey. So it says on your profile that you're a female lumberjack? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. And I'm very good at it. Really? Yes. I'm not familiar with being a lumberjack. I my, thought it was father, just... my father taught me how to be a lumberjack. Oh, well, you must have been an excellent man. Oh, I, well, he lied to me. He told me he was a master lumberjack. And it, and it turns out he was never a lumberjack at all. But I became a very good lumberjack. And he was the first person I killed. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, animal. <laughs> yes. It's pretty it's pretty great. I am terrified of you. I'm also terrified of being lonely, and I don't know which is worse. Me. <laughs> I'm worse. <laughs> There's a cure for loneliness. You wanna, um, get Froyo after this? A what? <laughs> Froyo, frozen yogurt? After this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah? I want I want some ice cream. <laughs> well, let's get some ice cream after you shoot these dots, huh? No, it's your turn. I, I just shot three more bulls. I just drew your bullets. I don't have any more darts. Can I borrow yours? No, these are my fucking darts. Fuck, now I gotta use house darts. Yeah, you saw house. This is a syringe house darts. Shit. Fine. This. The house darts. This those, is a ninja star. Those, I, know, I know. That's what counts as a house dart. The last one's just a bullseye. Nickel. All right, I got a bullseye with a ninja star. Whatever. Throw the nickel. <laughs> Look, just admit it. I'm better at dots than you. That was fucking impressive. I licked a nickel. Ah, it slipped. Fucking come on! It counts! Fell off. No, it counts. Not stuck in the board. Alright. Alright, fine. You're up next. Boy, wouldn't uh, like a po' boy sandwich be good right now? Oh boy, Sarah must be really good right now. Don't lose your focus, though. Followed by some ice cream and a blowjob. <laughs> That's a Louisiana hat trick. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm just gonna throw all three of them. Oh boy. Oh. Someone's losing the cool one, Don. <laughs> Look. You can you can date my sister. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked up your your eight hundred dollar darts. I can't believe you paid eight hundred dollars for darts. You think that's what this is about? Yeah, but that's what I thought we were playing darts to see if see if you could date my sister. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what works. You won. I did. I did. You and I are ready to get married whenever you want. What? No, we, we can date. <laughs> we can date. I'm not, I'm not, we, we haven't even, I haven't even seen your dingus yet. We're not getting married. All right. Oh, it's okay. a little fast. We can date till we're getting married? Fair enough. All right. So where are you taking me that costs money? There's this great place with, like, kebabs? No. Oh, okay. That's uh, not expensive enough. I, I know a, a really great Louisiana restaurant that's, that's got like muffle. Hey, my sister said you, you stopped taking her. Yeah. No, no, no. You date her. I can stop. I don't know. No, you won the. You, you, you played darts good enough to date her. You date her. No, I just. What is this? Like a deal with the devil that I beat you in a violin contest? Yes. <laughs> just like the deal with the devil with the violin contest. Alright, fine. <laughs> Whoever wins, stop dating your sister. <laughs> I'm, not dating, I'm not dating my sister. I don't have to win. I'm not dating my, my sister. Oh, well then I guess if you win, you have to date your sister. Those are the rules! <laughs> Wait a minute. No, you... Oh, shit, the game started. <laughs> I went first. I should have said something before I, you got those rules out. What you say rules? They're rules. Yep, that's how rules work. Huh. Those are looking mighty fancy, Don. Just my darts. Alright, keep them. I have a dart case. Fine, alright. You gonna get your darts? Did you get your darts?
sister. You have to date your sister. <laughs> if you don't win, you have to date your sister. It's the fucking Napoleonic coach. Look, we have to date now. I lost to him. I'm sorry. What? Why are you such a bitch? <laughs> right? Well, why do you gotta always ask to go to expensive places? Why couldn't you just go to the kebab place? I like manicotti. And they don't serve manicotti in shit shows. I don't even know what that is, alright? But I want some. It's an Italian, like, <laughs> lasagna thing, but it's not lasagna. Sounds, now I want lasagna. Well, fine. You want ice cream, too? You're not getting the other thing. What other thing? You didn't say it. You know, like a Louisiana hat trick. <laughs> oh, now I want lasagna ice cream and blowjob. <laughs> well, tell you what. If you beat me in darts, I will not give you a blowjob. If, if, if I beat you, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to date you, you're my sister, all right? I don't want you to blow me either because you're my sister. I'm sorry, I tried to get you a guy, right? You gotta be nice to people. <sighs> people don't love people who are nice. Yeah, yeah, they do. Why would you say that? That's all. I, I watched a thing on VH1. You gotta neg somebody. Stop watching VH1. It's how we live the world today. You gotta watch MTV, all right? Yeah. VH1 is how they used to live the world. MTV is now how they live the world. Look, if I want to, like, be on Jersey Shore or some shit from five years ago, then I'll watch MTV, all right? M MTV has a show literally called The Real World. <laughs> it's the real world. Really? When was the last time you didn't have a job for six months and lived with six friends and didn't starve? <laughs> when was the last time I didn't do that? You lived with six friends without a job, no one had a job, and none of you starved. When was the last time I didn't do that? Right. Wait, did do that. Uh, no, that's I do that. I'm sorry, my brain's all fucked up after I said that blowjob thing to you. The point is, I want to live my life at the level of richness I want to live it, and if a man can't provide for me, then I don't want to be in his life, and vice versa. All right, well, I'm breaking up. <laughs> breaking up. You can't just break up with me. I'm your brother. I can break up with you. I dated you, all right? I can break up with you. He said that. He did it. Well, to be fair, before he broke up with me, he beat me at Hungry Hungry Hippos. Uh, that makes me hungry, but not for anything specific. She's fine. I saw that on, on VH1. They were like, just say something tragic, but then pull it back. Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, one.